Good morning. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. If you have a Bible this morning, you can scan the QR code that'll take you there in the Bible app. We are in a series called The Names of God, and this morning we're talking about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Thanks for being here this morning in person. We have folks joining us online and those who will be joining us in traditions and in kindred. It's so fun to worship together, the same God, the same church. Can you believe it's November already? Thanksgiving in just a few weeks? Isn't that hard to believe? A time when we gather around the table with family and friends and we give, and we give thanks. Thanks for the, the depth of the gospel. Thanks for all that we have for the people in our lives. Last week I introduced the first name of God that, we, that we're studying, Jehovah. And it was the idea of I am who I am. You remember Moses said, what should I say if they say, well, who sent me? And he said, tell them the great I am. And God says to us through that name, I will be with you. I am dependable. I am trustworthy. And today we're gonna to look at another name of God, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Would you agree that our God is a giving God? We have been blessed by God beyond measure. He is extremely generous and he loves to give and give. He provides for all of our needs. And the Bible even says in Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And when we think of our God as Jehovah Jireh, there is something really important for us to remember. We were created to live in a dependent relationship with God. Sometimes the glaring dysfunction within relationships, or maybe on a team, if you're on a team, is role clarity. When you don't know with clarity what your role is and what your role isn't, that's when things can go sideways. That's when things can get a little bit wonky. And that raises the question, what role do you play in your relationship with God? Or you could ask a different question, what role does God play in your relationship? But here's a humbling thought. If your life, the way that you live, your behaviors, the decisions you make, was the only information that someone had in determining God's role in your life, what would they conclude? Here's our reality. We depend on God to provide everything in this life. We depend on him for every breath that we take. We depend on him to watch over us, to protect us. We depend on him to be there for us when we're in our absolute darkest hour. We depend on him to take care of every single one of our needs. And let us not forget that all that we have, all that we have is from God, right down to every heartbeat. He is Jehovah Jireh. Whenever I think about God providing the next breath, the next breath that I take, I realize how much I take God for granted. For me on occasion, it's easy to go through an entire day, an entire day, 24 hours, and never one time give thought to God as being my Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides everything that I need. 
Today I want us to celebrate God as Jehovah Jireh. I want us to rejoice in God, the God who provides. For us to know and experience him as Jehovah Jireh, first there are things that that we have to muddle through. There are things that we have to wade through in order for us to understand so we can fully appreciate his generosity in our lives, his kindness, his provision toward us. Today I wanna begin with the last verse in the passage that we're looking at in Genesis chapter 22, just so there's no surprises. Genesis 22 verse 14 says this. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Genesis chapter 22 verse 14. In our lives not only has God provided, in our lives God is providing and in our lives God will provide. And to understand God's provision, we need to take a closer look behind the scenes in our life to fully appreciate and understand God's provision. You see, from our perspective, we see God as the God who just gives and gives and gives. But from his perspective, his generosity and his provision is a part of the process that he is using to mature us and to grow us up in him. It isn't just about him giving and giving and giving. For us, it's all about receiving from him. For him, it's all about growing in him. And so for us to fully appreciate Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the reality of our heart, for us to fully understand it, the reality of our heart must get exposed. Maybe this morning you need God to provide for you. Maybe this morning you need to be reminded that God has provided for you. Maybe you need to be reminded of both. Only you know that. To know God as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, I want to look at the first two verses, and it's this idea of prepare to be tested. I want you to imagine for a second Abraham sitting on the ground, spending time with the Lord, leaning against a camel's leg, sipping some coffee. And this is what happens. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. In verse one, God tested Abraham, but I thought, I thought God didn't test us. I thought God didn't test us. Here's what we know from the book of James. God doesn't tempt us. And the book of James teaches us that the temptation comes from the evil desires from within. That's where temptation comes from. God, on the other hand, scripture teaches us that he does test us not to make us fall, but in order to confirm our faith, in order to confirm our commitment to him. And so when God tests us, it's not for him to see where we stand. He's not like, oh, I'm gonna test them to kind of see where they're at. He already knows our heart. He already knows where we stand. He tests us so we can see where we stand in our relationship with him. To expose our heart. If we are unaware of our true level of faith and our true commitment to him, I think that we're all in the same boat. We would all just be comfortable in our relationship with him. 
God may choose to use the things or even people that are closest to us in our lives to test you in order for your heart to be revealed. But take your only son and go and sacrifice him. Really? Couldn't there be a different way? Sounds like something that we might say in the midst of being tested by God. God, can't there, is there a different way? Is there something else that you could choose? Could you do this differently? It seems a little extreme to go from nothing to take your son, not just any son, by the way, but your only son whom you love, the scripture says, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. I mean, Abraham had waited like 100 years for Isaac. Nothing in the previous narratives would cause us to see this kind of request come in. It, it literally was a request that felt like it came out of left field. It, was, it had to be shocking. Know that Abraham had to be just as surprised as we are as we read through the text. But was he ready for such a big test? Remember this. You've heard it said a million times. God will never test you beyond what he can handle. But remember this, he can handle a lot. So sometimes when it feels like we're under the weight, it feels like we're breaking, we have to remember nothing is ever too much for him. Now there's no doubt that God was fully convinced that Abraham had it in him to walk this test and come out on the other end having persevered. Otherwise, God wouldn't have jumped to such extremes. Just like with Job, God wouldn't have said to Satan, yeah, go for it, test my servant. So keep this in mind, what seems like it might have come out of left field is really just the result of your perseverance and previous faith challenges. With each test you pass, you're ready for the next one. The Christian life is all about change. It's, it's all about growth. It isn't, there's nothing about the Christian life that's about staying the same. The only way to change and grow is to pass a test. And there's one other thing that I see in these first couple of verses. There's nothing in our lives that's off limits for God. After all, I started by saying it's all from God. For Abraham, God used the most precious thing in his life to test him, his only son. When you're walking the path of being tested, you'll either run to God or you'll run from God. And when we're tested, our heart is being revealed. When, when our heart is revealed, we realize just how much we're lacking and how much we need God to provide for us. Secondly, to know God as Jehovah Jireh, then we have to prepare to obey. Verses three through five. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. It's this idea of take now. Not later, it was this idea of now, don't debate. Abraham's heart had to, be, had to be pounding as he stood on Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. He had offered many sacrifices during his lifetime, but this one, this one was different. God was asking him to place his promised son 
get this, on the altar and yet retain his confidence in God's love and in his faithfulness. Can you imagine doing that? Uh, he said, put your son on the altar and all the while while you're doing that, I want you to remember and have confidence in my love and faithfulness towards you. And Abraham went from receiving God's request one day, obedience early the next day. Maybe he was in shock. Maybe he was in disbelief. Or maybe he just obeyed immediately when God asked him to do something. And he started preparing for a trip for a lifetime. Abraham was now at a place where the rubber meets the road, probably wondering, how did I get here? Yesterday I was hanging out with family and enjoying time with my son Isaac and today I'm leading him up the mountain to sacrifice him because God asked me to. Verse three, he saddled up his donkey, cut the wood, he took two servants and his son Isaac and after he prepared for this trip, he set out on this journey. Does that sound like a guy who was unwilling to walk the path of having his faith purified? Abraham went into this checklist mode and he's like, God asked me to do this and this and this and this. And regardless of what it was, he said yes. In verse four, on the third day, three days of emotions, of thoughts, of considerations, a 45 mile trip, what was going through his mind? I wonder if he was hoping with every step of the way that God would intervene in his journey and say, okay, that's far enough. I just wanted to see where you're at. You can go home now. Don't you wish for the same kind of interruption when maybe when you're going through a really hard trial or a tough time in life or you're in a dark place and, and you wish that God would just step in and intervene and say, okay, that's enough. because we ask the question, how much more can I take? But remember, this test that Abraham was facing was not for God to learn really anything about him. He already knew. It was for Abraham to come to the realization of his commitment to God. And the same really goes for us. We pass the test when we're awakened to the reality of our condition and when we're awakened to the reality of our commitment to God and are willing to do something about it. Throughout this passage, I want you to notice the similarities between Abraham and Isaac and God and Jesus. Abraham's journey was three days. The number three in, in, in scripture is a familiar number. Christ was raised from the dead the third day. He was crucified the third hour afternoon and now Isaac, is a, he was this foreshadowing or as a figure of Christ being the only son of the father not spared by offered as a sacrifice. The third day he was offered up. It was the third day that Christ was also perfected. What was Abraham thinking? Maybe I misunderstood God's request. This is too much. I'm not sure that God will come through. Maybe my current condition isn't so bad. Maybe I don't really need to grow anymore. I would have to imagine that 
Abraham's mind and heart were swirling with all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of questions, every step that he took. Don't our minds and hearts swirl with the same kinds of thoughts and questions when we face trials, when we're being tested? But you need to know this, friends. The purpose of the fire isn't to char us. It's to refine us. Are you in the fire right now? Though it may be hard, the longer that you remain in the heat, the stronger you become. And James speaks to this as well. He says, the greater the joy will be. But for Abraham, it had been three long days, which to him must have seemed like eternity. Sometimes God's testing in our lives lasts a few minutes and it's over. Sometimes it lasts a few hours. Sometimes it lasts a few days. And let's just be honest, for some of you, you might say sometimes it it lasts for a few years. Through testing, we learn a new depth to the word perseverance. Verse five, Abraham had been in the fire for quite some time by the time that they arrived at the place of sacrifice. Don't think for a moment that during their journey there wasn't some serious conversation going on between Abraham and God. But when they arrived, rather than all of them going together, Abraham says to his two servants, you stay here with the donkey. We will worship and then we will come back to you. The path that Abraham and Isaac were walking wasn't only about obedience to God's request, it was the most awesome form of worship, a time when Abraham and Isaac would be all alone with God. When you are in the fire, or maybe when you're being tested, can I encourage you a couple things? Can I encourage you to not miss the one-on-one time with God? Because sometimes when we're in the fire and we're being tested, we're running frantically trying to figure out how to make it go away. Don't miss the time, the one-on-one time with God. It's a time when we have the opportunity to worship God in the purest form. And like Abraham, it's our opportunity to offer to God anything that he desires, even that which is most precious to us. It's our time to say, here I am, burn away anything that needs to increase. But how was it that Abraham was able to say with such confidence to his servants, we will go and worship and then we will return to you? Was he expecting to return to his servants carrying his son Isaac draped over his arms? He went fully prepared to offer his son and yet confidently expected that he would return with his son. As individuals and as a church, we will face times when we need to saddle up the donkey and make the journey, the hard journey. Times when you And us as a church will need to say, count me in. Times when there won't be any shortcuts. 
only the way God has marked out for us, no matter how difficult it might be, I pray that I, I pray that we can say collectively, count me in. Thirdly, to know God as Jehovah Jireh, prepare to walk by faith, verses six through eight. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Talk about faith. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith for us and it goes like this. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Did Abraham have faith when he was walking with a son whom he knew God had asked to sacrifice and Isaac says to him, all we're missing is the lamb. And Abraham says, don't worry. God's gonna provide the lamb. Can we learn something here? Faith is a great struggle for most Christians. Faith will, it will take us to the absolute edge with God. The most exciting place to be in the, in the Christian life is on the edge with God, walking by faith. It takes no faith to remain the same. Faith on the edge is exhilarating. It is during those times when you can't see the future and are willing to completely and wholeheartedly trust God knowing that he is Jehovah Jireh, the great I am that we learned about last week. Faith is a pathway to God's provision. When you walk by faith, you will know that he is Jehovah Jireh because you will see him provide in your life over and over and over again. There will be times as individuals and for us as a church when we have to go to the edge and God will invite us there. He will say, come to the edge with me. Dangle your toes over the edge. Times when it appears that there's no way. Times when we'll have to completely, utterly trust God. Times when we'll have to say, the only way this will happen is if God does it. If you want to watch God provide big time, walk on the edge with him in faith. Verse 9 through 12, prepare to offer everything. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and there he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. We cannot expect God to provide time and time again if we live with a death grip on the things that we have. Because a death grip signifies one thing, self-dependency. Whatever you hold on to so tightly is most likely that which is closest to your heart. 
Only when we learn to hold on to God so tightly can we, will we ever loosen our grip on the other things in this life. You let go of one when you have a firm grip on the other. So God says to Abraham, you have not withheld anything from me. The test was complete. Abraham was willing to walk to the edge with God with the knife raised above his son, with tears dripping down, no doubt, on Isaac's face. And God says, don't lay a hand on the boy. God simply spares the father the torture of putting the knife to his son because it's there on the edge when a person experiences God's faithfulness to the greatest degree. The closer to the edge one is willing to get, the greater the view of God is displayed. Do you know, it's, it's always interesting to me when I, when I reread this and restudy this, how old Isaac may have been in this story. It's easy to believe or think that he's a young child, but many commentators believe that he was 33 years old. Kind of changes the story a bit, doesn't it? Does that number sound familiar to anybody else? The foreshadowing of Christ. In both cases, the father himself offers up his only begotten son, and the father himself binds him on the wood or to the cross. In neither case is the son forced to yield, but yields of his own accord. In neither case is the life taken away by the hand of violence. Isaac yields himself to the knife. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. The great desire of God is that there is nothing that we love and trust more than him. The great reality is that there usually is. And sometimes it's the very thing that's most important to us. You might remember that God had already promised to Abraham earlier that he was going to bless the whole world through Isaac. Remember the test when it all began back in verse one. Abraham is the one who needed to discover what God already knows. Once Abraham discovered it, now God could say, now we know that you fear me. The fifth thing that stands out is in verse 13, prepare to be amazed. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. After Abraham lowered the knife at the command of God's voice, Attention was directed to the truth of who God is. God provides. Verse 14, prepare to celebrate. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The Lord will provide is a play on the verb translated provided. The verb means, basically it means this, to see. The English word provide is from the Latin pro, which means before, and videre, which means vision, meaning literally, here's what it means, to see beforehand. God sees our need before it arises and makes provision for it. Have you come to know him as Jehovah Jireh. Let me leave you with, with one thing. 
see the hand of God. Two scriptures back to back. For we live by faith, not by sight. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See the hand of God. So I thought a good way to um, make this uh, practical and and maybe a good way to apply this um, is to... uh, remind you that we've been in a process, a search process for a youth pastor. And we have with us uh, this weekend uh, a candidate who is applying to be our youth pastor. So I wanna invite Lucas and Melissa uh, to come up here on stage. They're here somewhere, they're there. Um, And Lucas and Melissa are from Texas, Austin, Texas. And so we have been praying like crazy and we're, we're working with an organization called Slingshot and Lucas and Melissa have been praying like crazy and they're working with Slingshot and, and the Lord has provided the opportunity for this weekend for you guys to be here with us and for us to be with you and it's been a great weekend and, and uh, can you give them a round of applause and just welcome them? <clears throat> So I just thought we'd reenact this, this whole Abraham Isaac thing. So how old are you? You're 30, 34. 34. He's too old. He's a year too old. Uh, so we'll just have to go with God and trust him in the provision. But so we're, we're just, this isn't official. This, we're just both in uh, praying. We're praying on our end. And uh, MLT is met with these guys, the search team, the elders, and, and uh, they're praying on their end. And we're both just seeking the Lord and kind of seeing uh, where this goes, right? So let me pray for you guys. Can I do that? God, thank you for uh, this great morning, and we thank you for uh, your word. And God, we do thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, and that you provide. And one of the ways that we're applying that this morning, Lord, is we're asking you to provide guidance. We're asking you to provide a way, a clear way. What is the desire of your heart for us, for Lucas, for Melissa, for their children? And God, if it's your desire for us to be a match and for for them to transition to Fargo, to Bethel Church, we rejoice in that. We trust you in that, Lord. But would you make it clear for all of us? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.